thank you for your mercy. We pray, O oh God, that you would help us and lead us and guide us, God, according to your will. I ask you, dear God, that you would uh, open the scripture to us. I pray, God, that you would help us to understand it. I pray, God, that, uh, Lord, uh, you'd help us apply it to our lives. A lot of folks do understand your word, but that means no- that means nothing. Uh, they'll do things their own way anyhow. And, Lord, uh, we understand that that way leads to destruction. I pray, oh, God, you would help us. I pray, oh, God, you would lead us. I pray, oh, God, that this sermon, God, would be an encouragement to folks' hearts and in folks' lives, folks that are trying to serve you, God, I pray uh, that you would help us tonight. In Jesus Christ's name we pray these things. Amen. Amen. All right, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, one more time. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now it says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And I, I heard a man say just a couple of weeks ago, he said, he said, we're supposed to wrestle. He said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we do wrestle against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. But then he used it kind of flip it back around and say, we're supposed to be wrestling with Barack Obama. No, you ain't. That's exactly what it said you wasn't supposed to be wrestling with. You're not wrestling. Barack Obama, last time I checked, was flesh and blood. Amen. So there's something behind him. There's something higher than him. There is something more wicked than him. I don't know if you can believe that or not, but there is. I mean, there there are there are things more wicked than Democrats and Republicans and evil corporations and all such crazy things as that. There's there's a lot more wicked things than that. And the Bible says we wrestle against those things. We wrestle against those things. And so it is a fight. You don't need an armor unless you're going to fight. Amen. I have heard preachers stand up and say, I thank God we don't have to fight. Well, Paul sure didn't waste a lot of breath then because he said, fight the good fight of faith. He said, I have fought a good fight. He said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we do wrestle against principalities and powers. He said, put on the whole armor of God. So those are those are fighting instruments. And of course, I'm not going to go through all these things tonight. I have a different, uh, a different way of preaching this tonight, but these things that I'm going to talk about are in these uh, are in these verses the word of God and prayer and different things like that and I'm also going to add a few things uh, besides these uh, like patience you ought to be strong in the word of God and you ought to be strong in patience and that's going to be my first my first point tonight be strong in the Lord and so it says be strong in his word it says that you're going to have the sword of the spirit he said in verse number uh, verse number 17 and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit so that's the word of God is it not sword of the spirit you wait tonight I use one of brother John's lines are y'all here <laughs> amen sword of the spirit uh, so you need to be if you're going to be strong in the power of his might first of all let me ask you this do you think his might is enough and that's a real, you think, well, that's just a silly question that preachers ask. No, that's a real serious question right there. Are you trusting in the Lord? Are you leaning on Him? Part of that word, uh, trust, is that you think that He is strong enough, or He is smart enough, or He is wise enough, or He is intelligent enough. All those things you need to think about, God. If you, if you trust Him, then you really do think He's strong enough. 
If you just say with your mouth, I trust Him, but never lean on Him, then you don't trust Him. That's just the way you ought to think about those things. That's the way you ought to see those things. So he says, so be strong in the Lord. Do you think His strength is enough? That's a question you're going to have to ask yourself. Be strong in the Lord. Now, so I want to say first of all, be strong in His Word. 2 Timothy 2.15, probably everybody in the room could quote it. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Let's turn and look at 2 Timothy 2.15 as well. We'll look in verse number 3, or chapter number 3. And not only does it say to study the Scripture, but it also says in, uh, in chapter 3 and verse 16, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Let me just say this, and I'm not adding to the Scripture I don't believe, but the Bible there said that the Scripture was enough that the man of God could be perfect and thoroughly furnished to all good works. Well, I can say this too, that if you're not what they call a man of God or a preacher or an evangelist, the Word of God is enough for you too. The Word of God's enough for you too. It'll help you. It'll furnish you unto all your good works. So that just tells me you ought to be strong in the Word of God. Amen? And then, of course, if you're going to be strong in the Word, then you're going to have to be strong in patience. So, Brother Mike, I don't like patience. I don't either. Nobody likes to have patience. Nobody likes to wait on anything, do we? We certainly don't. Anybody in here consider yourself a very patient man? Very patient woman? Well, you're going to have to be strong in patience. And, and, and the reason, uh, I guess, that this whole thing come up in my mind is uh, the Lord put this together for me real, uh, real nice last night. The Lord answered a prayer. And uh, I was reading in my Bible one time, and I saw a verse of Scripture, and I said, Lord, what does that mean? And I took the verse, and I, and I looked at it, and I put it together, and I said, Lord, what in the world does that mean? Let's, let's look at it and read it. 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. First Corinthians chapter number 9. And look in verse number 16. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. And about... Five and maybe almost six years ago, I wrote down on a piece of paper, I wrote down, I said, Lord, what is the difference? <laughs> that verse said one, he said, if I'd done it willingly, I'd get a reward. He said, if I'd done it against my will, I'd just get a dispensation. I didn't understand that. What's the, what's the, uh, what is the separation between a reward and a dispensation? Of course, we've talked about a dispensation a little bit. I mean, if you do it one way, you get a reward. You do it another way, uh, you get a dispensation. That boy, it didn't make sense to me. It drew a big old question mark in my mind back then. Now, when's the last time you can say you waited? Five, almost six years to get an answer to prayer. You know what you need for that? Patience. Now, I will say this. I will say this. Every day for the last six years, I haven't been looking at this verse going, 
When are you going to show me? It's not one of those things. It's not like you're panting after it like the deer pants after water. You know, Brother Spike was preaching the other day about that hunger and thirst. And I certainly wasn't doing that on a daily basis. But when you ask God for something and He shows it to you five years later, a lot of people have asked God for things and then quit church within, well, whatever period of time before God had a chance to answer. Some folks have said, God, would you help me out in this? And completely gave up hope before God answered the question. If you're going to be strong in faith, if you're going to be strong in prayer, if you're going to be strong in the Word, then you're going to need to uh, have some patience. You're going to have to be strong in patience. And so five years. And listen, this thing, this answer came last night. That's what made me even think about this stuff. I mean, sometimes you're going to have to be strong in the Lord just to have the patience enough to wait till God gets ready to answer your prayers. You know when God's going to answer your prayer? Whenever He wants to. That's right. You, I've heard it said, and I agree with this, that you can't make Him hurry. Oh, David prayed that way too, so don't feel bad. He said, make haste to help me. But God will get there when He gets ready. Those fellas come out to the Lord and said, if you're going to get over there and see your friend Lazarus, you better get over there quick. He's a going fast. And the Lord hung around a little while. Just waited. And to everybody that was looking at it, apparently the Lord got there late. But the Lord might have been early a little bit. You don't know. It was still time by the time He got there. Oh, He was dead. Well, the Lord raised Him, didn't He? Well, I don't see why he couldn't have waited another day or two. Amen? So the Lord's time is not our time. You're going to have to be strong in patience. Strong in patience. Well, you know, some folks say, well, tribulation worketh patience. You have to go through bad stuff. That's true. The Bible does say tribulation worketh patience. But you know what else worketh patience? The Word of God. You can get patience from looking at the Word of God and saying, Hey, look what God done from these people. These people waited on the Lord and the Lord answered them and the Lord helped them. So what happens if I uh, wait? You can get your patience that way. And I'm not saying that if you get all your patience from the Bible, you're never going to get any through tribulation, but you can get them from both. Some people, some people and I've heard it said, I'm never praying for patience because it comes through tribulation. I wouldn't do that. I'd put my trust in the Lord. The Bible says, if, if, he said, uh, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, what, what do you think about the Lord? You know, he said, a, a child doesn't ask a father for a fish and the father give him a stone. If you ask God for something, he's not going to hurt you to give it to you. He's not going to purposely ridicule you to give it to you. Whatever, whatever way he chooses to answer your prayers is going to be a good way and an effective way. Even if he does put you through some tribulation, it's not going to kill you. And I'm not saying you should look for it or rejoice in it. I'm not, you know, some guys talk like they're, you know, uh, super Christian. They can't wait for the next tribulation. I'm not looking for tribulation. I'm not looking for you to go through any. But I can tell you this, if God so chooses to allow us to go through some, which we certainly will go through Tribulation, not the great tribulation, but we will go through some tribulation here on this earth. God has promised us that. So you're going to have to be strong in patience. And then when the answer came about this particular question, and it came just like I said last night itself, and it came, listen, it came, it was a real experience. 
It wasn't something I heard in a sermon. You're hearing it in a sermon tonight. Certainly it don't mean as much to you as it does to me. This particular thing that God showed me doesn't mean as much to you as it does to me. Because God showed it to me. You're hearing about it in a sermon. But it was a real experience for myself. And it was evidence of power. You know, I've prayed about things before and then I see it come to pass. And somebody else might say, well, hey, that's just a coincidence. You prayed about it, but uh, that could happen to anybody. Surely it could happen to anybody. But anybody didn't pray about it, I did. So it was, it's real for me, and now it's an, it's an experience for me, and now it's something that's unforgettable for me. So today, essentially, if I'm not a reprobate or if I'm not a hypocrite, I should be stronger in the Lord today. I'm talking about stronger in His Word. I should believe His Word and trust in His Word more today than I did yesterday. Why? Because I've exercised it. I've experienced it. And if you're going to get strong in the Lord, you're going to have to exercise it. You're going to have to experience it. Lord, what is this about? Help me to understand this. Study and look and search and look. The Bible says if you seek, you'll find. You seek, you'll find. You seek, you'll find. And so this is a specific thing for me, a, a, a real experience for me, a, a real evidence of power. And it's a grand thing. Well, so ask, ask God a particular thing. And then six years later, the answer comes. And then God reminds you of it. God has a way of reminding you of the thing. That's crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. But listen, I will, I'll also say this. Had I not been preaching the sermons that I had been preaching for the last two weeks, then the revelation of the thing wouldn't even have come because the thing was in my mind when I saw the verse. And there it was. I'll tell you another thing. Uh, normally I like to read uh, quite a bit in my chapter, I'm t- in my Bible. I'm talking about going through the Bible. Sometimes I might read a chapter, and sometimes I might read two chapters or three chapters, but going from cover to cover, that's what I like to do. And also, on a regular basis, I skip around, read different places, do both at the same time. Well, I tell you, over the last, I guess, uh, four or five weeks, my cover-to-cover reading has been slack. I mean, reading here and there, certainly I'm still doing that. But I've just, I've been in uh, 2 Corinthians, I mean 2 Chronicles forever. I've been there forever. And then last night, click. Had I been over in uh, Hebrews, I wouldn't have been at the right place. And so the Lord takes a little piece here and a little piece there and a little sermon here and a little sermon there and a little prayer here and a little prayer there and a little revelation and brings it together in one hour that answers a prayer that's six years old. Now that ain't no coincidence. Oh, Brother Mike, I don't care what you think. Oh, you should have been reading more than that in your uh, your cover-to-cover reading. You should have been... Mind your own business. Because God had me right where I was supposed to be at the right time. Had I been on my regular schedule, I would have been clean over to Matthew by now. But I wasn't on my regular schedule. Oh, I must have been slacking. Maybe I was on God's schedule. You know, I'm no Calvinist, and you'll never catch me of Calvinism. But I believe God's got more control than most non-Calvinists believe He does. Amen. I certainly do. Don't you? I don't believe He controls every aspect of your life. I believe a large part of it is, are you submissive? Are you willing? I believe a lot of that. 
But I also believe God is right there in the midst. Saying, whoa, slow down. Speed up. Slow down. Speed up. Amen. So I don't believe in that. You don't got a God then. You know what I believe about people that believe, I mean, just weird. I believe they're their own gods. You know, I've been telling you about some weirdos I've heard on YouTube and different places like that. My soul, there's some weirdos on YouTube. Did you know that? How many of you ever had time to sit down and listen to YouTube preachers? They're weirdos, man. You know what the problem is uh, with most people that's just weird? People that teach having church in a, having church in a church building is sin and all. The, you know what's wrong with people like that? They are their own gods. They are their own gods. That's what's wrong with folks like that. They don't believe that God can work and move and do crazy things like that because they because they can't do it. Amen. Their God has never showed any evidence of any ability whatsoever. Amen. They must be their own God. That's that's the way I feel about it anyway. And then, of course, if you go on down reading Ephesians chapter six, he talks about prayer. And so, uh, let's look in Second Thessalonians real quick. Second Thessalonians. I think 1 Thessalonians, I'm sorry, chapter 5. Something wouldn't let me say 2 Thessalonians chapter 5. Must have been the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Ain't no such thing. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and you know the verse, verse number 17. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Now, you're going to have to be strong in prayer. Amen? Oh, listen, uh, well... You know, they say, uh, if you had, uh, you know, preachers quote this, God said it, but preachers quote it and try to stir people up to just have faith. You know, I I don't know really that you can teach people to trust God. I can tell you my experience and how God has helped me. And you can read the Bible, and the Bible says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. But you know, even you could read the Bible and maybe interpret it privately or something like that and still not... In other words, let me say you could approach the Bible from the wrong viewpoint. And you could uh, approach it in unbelief, or you could approach it in skepticism, or you could approach it with the attitude, okay, God proved something. You could approach the Bible incorrectly and still not get the faith that the Word of God really produces in those that have a contrite heart. If you approach the Bible with a contrite heart, with a source of humility, God is going to speak to you. I promise you that. I promise you that. And you know, so I've heard preachers say, and it's, it's, a, it's a true statement, but a, a preacher will try to help you get faith and try to talk you into having faith. But, and and maybe, you can, maybe you can teach faith if you're teaching the Bible, uh, but you can't teach people how to have faith. And boy, I wish if I could explain that, I might um, have a money-making book there. But you know, it's just, it's, hard, it's real hard to explain if you read the Bible and you're submitted to God and you have a contrite heart, then God's going to give you some faith. But for me to sit here and say, well, one time I did this and then God did that. And I just did that in the first point. I said, boy, I asked God for something five years later. I told you all these things. But that wouldn't convince everybody to trust in God. I, in other words, all I'm trying to say is I can't really talk you into putting your faith and trust in God. That's something you, that's going to have to be between you and God. And what it comes down to basically is, do you believe what God said? Amen. 
Well, I've heard the preachers stand up and preach and try to convince people to have faith in God. And they'll say, they'll say, you know, if you just have a little faith, a little bit of faith, like a mustard seed, then you can uh, remove mountains. You ever heard that preached? Have you read in the scripture where it says that? So we know it's true. But boy, how do you convince somebody that? You can't convince somebody of that. Uh, somebody said one time, and, and I don't know who said it, but many people have quoted it. They said, well, this or that has a ring of truth to it. You ever heard that statement? Yeah. Have you ever heard something that just sounded true? Now, I'm not going by that 100%. You can hear something that sounds true and it'd be false. Yeah. Well, I've heard that. But you know, there is a ring of truth to truth. And there are just some things. And I don't know, I, think, I guess some people just don't have that. I don't know. The Bible says all men have not faith. I mean, everybody don't have faith. So I don't really know how to put myself in their position. But I do know this. I'm not really going to try to talk you into having faith enough uh, and prayer enough, you know, to where that you can pray and move mountains. But I would like to see in my own self, in you, I'd like to see you have enough prayer in your life and to be strong enough in prayer and strong enough in faith and strong enough in patience that the mountains don't move you. Amen. Because that's what it comes down to most of the time is that people see great difficulties and tribulation and see folks see great troubles and trials and they're the one that gets moved. Don't be easily moved. Uh, you know, if a little grain of mustard seed, you know, if faith that size is what it takes to move a mountain, uh, you know, th- then you can just ask the question, uh, how big of a mountain does it take to move your faith? How big does the problem have to be before you lay down and quit? And you can say, well, it's a small mountain, a medium mountain, or a large mountain. And I really don't care for the answer. I mean, everybody knows what it takes to knock them out just about. But I'll say this, you ought to try to get stronger. Amen. If it just takes a little bit to knock you out, hey, try to start you know, building up them spiritual muscles to where next year yeah. it's going to take a little bit more to get me next time. And I, like I told somebody, I think it was Mike Cannon one time, I said, hey, if you're going to defeat some of these problems, you've got to get mad dog about it. It's a fight. It's not a cream puff, you know, uh, type of a deal. It's just not going to work that way. Oh, Mr. Devil, would you please leave me alone? That's not going to work like that. You have to get mad. It's easy to get mad at other Christians. It's mad to get, but folks don't get mad at the devil like that. They cower. And maybe it's not the devil. Maybe it's just problems that arise to every man alike. But what you need to do is you need to be strong in power. Uh, Strong in prayer, that is. Not necessarily uh, that mountains will be moved by you, but that you don't get moved by the mountains. Does that make sense? Uh, So uh, you're going to have to be strong in prayer. And uh, you're going to have to be strong in faith. And of course those two goes together. Uh, So let me just say this. When prayer becomes a habit, you've lost your power. Man, you got to pray every day. You ever heard me preach that? Certainly you have. And you and me and everybody else, we start to do things and things become a habit. Well, can I tell you this? Habit works. If you get in the habit of prayer, it'll work. If you get in the habit of preaching, it'll work. You can tell somebody about Jesus. You're not required. Listen, you could you could be telling somebody about Jesus and in the back of your mind be thinking about whoever won the Super Bowl 
And that person can still hear and get saved. The power's in the gospel. Not in your commitment to the cause. Your commitment to the cause is not where the power comes from. Does everybody understand that? I, I, I hope so because when prayer becomes a habit, it will still be prayer. Right? But as long as prayer is driven by faith, you'll be driven by the Holy Spirit. And if your prayers is driven by faith, and if your prayers is driven by a commitment to God, then those mountains ain't going to run you off. See the difference? If I'm just getting down and praying today because that's my duty, they'll still be prayers, and God will still hear them, and God will probably even answer some of them for you because He's that good of a God. But when you get up off your knees and run into a mountain out there, you're going to panic because you're just going through the motions and God may help you and God God may not. You you just there's no strength in faithless pr- prayer. I'm talking about strength for you. God's got the strength to do whatever you ask Him to do. So I've been preaching to you for the last couple of weeks. Hey, it's an affair of the heart. It's something that's got to come out of the heart. It's not just learning a bunch of rules. Some of you are still wondering about 1 Corinthians 9, 15 and 16, ain't you? Let's go back there and look. Let's go back there and look at it. 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. He said, look at me, I'm a preacher. But that's nothing to glory of. Woe is me if I preach not the gospel. I'm supposed to preach the gospel. He said, Paul, don't you got a love to preach? He said, well, there's some people that preach Christ of contention, but Christ is preached. That means any old dummy can preach. You know how I know that? God lets me do it. Mm-hmm. Paul says, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. It's right to do it. Is it right to do it? Amen. And if it's right to do it, it's a sin not to do it. Right? right? Oh. Well, look at verse 17. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. You know what it takes to do it willingly? You've got to love to do it. Right. Honor thy father and mother. Do it willingly. Boy, there'll be a blessing in it for you. Do it just because you got to. You're doing what you're supposed to do. Right? Nobody can say you ain't doing it because you are doing it. Hold your place right there and look look at this verse in uh, Colossians. Pardon me. Colossians chapter number 2. And verse number 20. He says, Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why as though living in the world are ye subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not. Have you ever heard a preacher tell you not to touch something? Have you ever heard a preacher tell you not to taste something? Any of you ever quit drinking liquor? somebody told you not to taste it didn't you how many of you ever quit liquor and it jump all over you at some point in the future 
How many of you ever stop touching something and then the temptation to do it jump all over you down some place down in the future? Amen. Well, did you have power to overcome it? Or? Amen. Well, look, he said, touch not, taste not, handle not. He said, why are you subject to these ordinances? You're, you're dead. Right? Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why as though living in the world are you subject to ordinances? If you're dead from the world, how come you're still living like you're living in the world? According to rules. Touch not. Taste not. You know who these people right here, well, you know what this, these rules right here are given for? They're given for people in the world. Live people. Amen? That's rules for the kingdom of heaven right there. Well, look what he says. He says, which all are to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men. Of course, you take that parenthetical uh, where the parentheses are out and he says, why are you, uh, he says, why as though living in the world are you subject to ordinances after the commandments and doctrines of men? Which things, now look at verse 23, which things have indeed a show of wisdom in will worship. So if a preacher gets up and says, don't drink, and you don't drink, that's still okay. Is it right not to drink? Sure it is. But I tell you what, you're just following a bunch of rules, that's all you got is a bunch of rules. But if I do it willingly, boy, the preacher said, if I better quit, boy, I better quit doing this, and if I don't quit doing this, the devil's going to kill me. Well, it sounds to me like somebody had to talk you out of doing it. Oh, Paul, if you don't get out there and preach, God's going to... Well, I guess I will. Why does somebody have to talk you into preaching? Why does somebody have to talk us into witnessing? Is it not the right thing to do? See, you're just following a bunch of rules. You're following the rules, and the Bible says it's wise to do it. It's wise things to do. There's nothing wrong with a set of rules. Paul said these rules are holy. He said we don't do away with the rules. He said we establish the rules. But are you doing them because somebody talked you into it, or are you doing it because you're willing to do it? Now, I took my place out. I marked my place intentionally, and, but let's go back and look. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 17. For if I do this thing, what's he talking about preaching? He said, for if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, if somebody made me do it, if somebody talked me into it, then he said, all I've got is a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. So he said, if I do it willingly, I've got a reward. If I don't, then all I've got is a set of standards to follow by. A bishop must be blameless, husband of one wife. God set up rules and regulations for preachers all through the book. But if I'm not willing to do it and I'm doing it against my will, all I've got is a set of rules to follow. A dispensation is an order. It's an arrangement. It's a doctrine. It's a way things should be done. That's what dispensation is. A doctrine is the way that God is... I mean, a dispensation is the way that God has set something up to be done in a particular place, in a particular way. If I'm doing this preaching against my will, if I quit drinking against my will, if I've done all this stuff that I've done for God against my will just because somebody told me I had to do it or I was going to die if I didn't do it, then all I've got is rules. That's all I've got. They're good rules. They're wise rules. But the Bible says that no reward in that. 
He said, if I do it willingly, I have a reward. Boy, I'd hate to finish up my days and find out I'd been following the rules and find out the only reason I'd done it is because somebody else talked me out of it. And I'm not talking about, listen, preachers are supposed to instruct, they're supposed to correct, they're supposed to do all that. But what that preaching is supposed to do, what the Word of God is supposed to do, is it's supposed to work something into your heart and mind that says, hey, that's what I want to do. That's what I, I want to please God. I was thinking about this the other day and I was kind of trying to come up with a, some kind of an illustration that would make it uh, understandable. And I thought, well, I'll just use the movie theater. Somebody was talking about the movies the other day and how it costs more for popcorn and Coke now than it does for the actual ticket to get in the movie. Ain't that a, ain't that a shame? <clears throat> I would tell you how much the last ticket I bought cost, but that would tell you how long ago I went to the movie, so I ain't going to do it. But at any rate, you take 50 Christians. Well, let's just take 10. I was thinking 50, but now that I think about it a second time, no use in sending 50 Christians in there. That's a waste of, that's a waste of folks' time, amen? Well, you just take, five, let's take 10 people, take 10 Christians, and send them into a movie theater and watch a rated R movie. Somebody would think, well, the last movie I went was PG. <laughs> Uh, well, listen, once you hear what I'm about to say, you won't care a thing in the world about that. Listen, just listen to me. Take 10 Christians, send them into an R-rated movie. This is the way it's going to happen. Take a survey of honest Christians, not folks that are lying when they come out. Just sit them down and say, well, let me ask you a few questions. And this is, this is what I think you would come out with. If you've got 10 honest answers, well, I'm not going to give you 10 different things, but this is what I think you'd come up with. One person would come out and they'd say, well, I don't think there was nothing wrong uh, with being uh, 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 going to the movies and, you know, going there and, you know, we're under liberty, we're under grace, we ain't under the law, I don't care nothing about that. Don't be judging me. Out of the room he goes, off to do his own business. And one person said, well, I went in there and, you know, I didn't think there'd be nothing wrong with it. And I sat there a little bit, you know, and they said one or two cuss words, I, you know, and I kind of, you know, shrugged that off. And then they showed a scene they ought not to have seen, you know, you know, and I felt pretty bad about it, you know, and I still feel kind of guilty. And then, you know, they get talked to another one. You say, well, you know, I, I knew I shouldn't have done that. And I went in there and I was doing so good and then I heard that stuff and they played a song I used to like. Now that stuff's going to be in my head for the next two weeks. And then you're going to get to another person and say, okay, now what about you? And he said, I didn't care nothing for it. Probably the last movie I'll ever go to. You think he don't like cussing? I mean, you think he never cussed? You think he never looked at a woman or she never looked at a man? You say one person just feels bad because they broke a rule. That's all he's got is a rule, a set of rules. Another guy went in there with his heart right, with his heart fixed on God, and that junk didn't turn his mind, didn't turn his head. When the temptation come up, he might have even left early. You don't know. When he goes out, he's thinking, I wonder what that verse in Romans was all about anyway. And you know what? That's the kind of people that don't go back to movies. You talk to 50 Christians, you'll find some do and some don't. It's not that they can't. 
It's that it don't appeal to them no more. It's false. It's fake. Hadn't you ever done that? I mean, I know as Christians, we're up and down. You can be one way one minute, one minute the next. But hadn't you ever been sitting there watching a movie that you know when when one and two came out, you loved it. And now that three, you sit down to watch number three. Oh yeah, and about ten minutes to it, you're like, well this is the last Rocky movie I'm going to watch. I think you You know, Star Wars 25, it's coming out, it's coming out. And after about 10 minutes, it just... Listen, children, there can only be so many princesses in this world. Sooner or later, you're going to have to come to the point and place where, you know, that stuff just... It's not saying you can never watch TV again. That's not even part of the equation. You want to sit down and watch a little TV or some kind of entertainment, go ahead and do it. But man, if you got your heart and mind set on the Lord, that stuff just ain't gonna it ain't gonna consume your life again. You say, Can't you be tempted? You sure can. I'm not saying you won't be tempted. I'm saying listen, when the when God said that when the temptation comes, he'll make a way of escape. Faith is a way to escape. Being strong in the... You know, people think that verse means that every time you get tempted, a magical doorway is going to open up and your fairy godmother is going to walk out and let me show you the way to escape. No, no, no. Your way of escape is being strong in the Lord and being strong in the power of His might and being strong in the Word and being strong in patience and being strong in faith. That's the way of escape. That's the way to escape. And you can't be strong in the Lord. You can't be strong in the Word. You can't be strong in faith. You can't be strong in patience unless that's what your heart is geared after. It takes something. It takes work to build a house. It takes work to build a car. It takes work to do those things. It takes work to build faith. Mm. Now you can't tell me, I mean, different strokes for different folks. I understand that. But you let, you know, you let some lady get together and put together a fine cabinet full of china. Any of you ladies with me on that? Just build a fine set of china. You're not going to let somebody come over and walk up to the china cabinet and go. Kick in your china. You're not going to let them do that. That's what your heart is set on there. Stay away from the china cabinet. You big-footed boys. Does that make sense to you? Now you fellas, you go out to the junkyard and dig out a 66 Chevelle. And it's got all the numbers matching. Once you get it fixed, it'll be worth about $100,000. You take it in your garage and you you will get it all shined up and get it nice. You're not going to drive it to Winn-Dixie and park it beside the cart return place. Are you? See, that's something you worked on. That's something you value. That's something you prize. Listen, you're not going to get in God's Word and you're not going to get down on your knees and you're not going to take the time to build a real spiritual life and then just let the devil come by and kick it and mess it up. Listen, when the cuss words come and when the worldly stuff comes, there's going to come a time when you have to say, Whoa! Amen. I'm not saying there won't never be a temptation to pull the china out of the cabinet and use it. 
I'm not saying there'll never be a, a time that you don't want to, you know, go through the gears in five seconds. There'll, there'll be times when you're tempted to abuse yourself and your own spiritual condition. But the stronger you are, you know as well as I do, the stronger that thing is for you, the harder it's going to be to tear it down. That spiritual life. So the Lord says, be strong in the Lord. You can't be strong in rules. There ain't no strength in rules. It's hard enough just surviving in spiritual mode. I mean, it's a difficult, it's a fight. I'm not saying it's not a fight. I'm not saying if you're strong in the Lord, you never... No, sir, Paul even told you that. He said, the things I hate, that I do. We don't all take advantage of being strong in the faith all the time. But if you want to just make an argument out of it, I can tell you how to fail quick. Love the things of the world. Don't be strong in the Lord. Don't be strong in His Word. Don't be strong in prayer. Just, I'll tell you what, I'm going to look like a Christian when I go out. I'll tell you what, I ain't going to wear no dresses above my knees. I mean either, amen. That's the surest way I know of for you to fail. I ain't never going to... You're about to fail. You're about to fail. The Bible says when a man thinketh he's something, he's nothing. The Bible says let him that stand to take heed lest he falls. Wish I could quote that verse exactly, but that's what it says. Amen? Amen? I hope you see what I mean. I hope you see what I mean. And listen, you know, and, and I grew up under this, and I love my preacher, and boy, I, I love him to death. And I certainly ain't, ain't you know, I, I believe the standards that he stood for. And I'll stand in this pulpit and stand for the very same standards, but I have to disagree with him on one thing. Pushing your TV set out in the backyard and shooting, it ain't going to make you spiritual. And it ain't going to keep you out of temptation. I guarantee you that. Listen, your mind can play every filthy thing that a television set can play. How do you think? Listen, oh, Brother Mike, you're, I'm, not, I'm not talking for or against it. What I'm trying to tell you is the rules, the success is not found in touch not, taste not, handle not. All those things are wise. I will go ahead and agree with you. Even though I do watch TV, I will agree with you. You'd be better off without one in your house. I would be better off without one in my house. But can I tell you that sin and lust was around before Zenith ever rolled out its first model? Because those movies play in your mind. I heard a preacher one time say, Oh, if we could just go back to dressing like they used to dress. Back in the old days, those ladies wore those great big old hoop dresses. Well, I tell you what, you put my wife in a big hoop dress, I still think she looks mighty fine. Amen? Men and women, men and women can do anything without a TV that they can do with a TV. The TV's not your problem. The heart's your problem. Now, I'm not, listen. You're going to sit down and willingly watch something on that thing that's going to project the temptations and trials? Listen, you see something you're not supposed to see or hear something you're not supposed to hear and be strong with that thing. You subject yourself to that three hours a day, every day. You're failing. Your mind is going to go that way. 
I hope you understand. Brother Mike is not compromising. Brother Mike is not telling you that the rules ain't no good. Brother Mike's not telling you that the rules aren't wise. I'm just telling you that if all it is for you is rules, there's no strength in that. There's no justification in the rules. There's no strength in the rules. There's no, there's no redemptive power in the rules. There's no forgiveness in the rules. That stuff comes through Jesus Christ. Now, if you've got, once you get Christ in your heart and you get the Holy Spirit in your life, you're going to come up with the exact same results as the guy. I mean, you're going to come up with the exact same ideas as the guy that's just following the rules is. Just you're going to have power to overcome in it. Boy, I wish I could just take all this stuff and let it roll out of my mouth in words that are so easy to understand. But I think it's hard for all of us to understand. I think it's I think it's a hard concept to get over because that's how God let us be raised up by learning rules and by mimicking our parents and even as Christians, mimicking what the preacher does and mimicking and we learn that way, but there's going to come a time when you're going to have to get out and you're not going to have the preacher to watch or mom and daddy to watch. And if all you've got is rules, I know many an 18-year-old boy that's got out the first time and broke the rules. Rules didn't mean nothing to him when they was out behind the barn with that cigarette. He knew the rules was thou shalt not smoke. Rules didn't stop nothing. Get over in the book of Proverbs and it says, he says, cease to hear the instruction that causeth thee to err. He says that you're to heed the instruction of your father and mother. But let me say this, if you don't trust your father and mother, and I understand the rules, they're necessary. But if you don't love your father and mother, you don't respect your father and mother, you don't honor your father and mother, then by the time you get out of their sight, you're going to quit obeying your father and mother. And that's, that's the same thing. You ought to listen to that instruction. The Bible says get wisdom and get understanding and take hold of those instructions. You're supposed to know what the rules are. But boy, if that's all you've got is rules, you're doing it against your will, you're not going to make it as a Christian any further than that 18-year-old does. When he gets behind the barn, his favorite, his favorite friend says, Hey, let's smoke this. Oh, you ain't my friend if you don't do it. Well, you ain't cool. Reckon how, reckon how many men gave in to that. that little, that's about all it takes. That's, I'm a little stronger than that. I'm a little stronger than that. You ain't strong enough to turn the television off. I don't know. Maybe you are. I hope you are. I want you to be. But the only way you're going to get there is if that love for the Lord's in your heart. Amen. If I do this thing willingly, I get a reward. But if against my will, it's just a dispensation. All I've got is a set of rules. They're right. The rules are right. I'll take the reward though. Would you? The rewards are not just a couple of crowns setting up in heaven. The rewards of doing right in a godly way, there's rewards in this life. There's power. There's answered prayers. There's a close fellowship with God. There's the ability to hear His voice. Ability to be led. Those things, things you're interested in. There's protection. God's arm of protection around you in times of danger, in times of trouble. There will be that way of escape that God will make for you. Like I say, those things take strength. Strength in the Lord. Strength in His power. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your goodness. Lord, I wish I could have said this about... A thousand times better or more understandable. 
Uh, but Lord, I thank dear God that the message is there and I think it's understandable. And Lord, if I could do anything and if I had wanted to do over anything over the last several weeks, then it has been to uh, get our church to the place where we're serving you because that's what we want to do. And not just because uh, we have to or because we know we have to. We know it's the right thing to do. But Lord, if I could just get it through and if you could just uh, take what, what's uh, lacking, dear God, and make up the difference and make up the hedge around us, God, and help us to understand these things, uh, then Lord, I certainly would thank you for it. And I believe you can. I know you will. I know you can. And Lord, if, if we will open our hearts to it and Lord, grasp these things, and I know you will lead us in it and guide us in it. Lord, there's great truth to it. And there's such a fine line, God, because the rules are wise. And Lord, the rules are so important. And there is right and wrong. And there is truth and error. And not anything is acceptable. And God, a person who's got their heart and mind on you, I know they'll end up staying away from those things. But it won't be against their will. It won't be because somebody said they had to. Except for just because you said it's not right. And it'll be you who we're trying to please. Lord, help us, God. Uh, Not to back up or sit down, but help us, dear God, to uh, put out the Word of God correctly so that people can take it and run that hear it. And we'll thank you, dear God, for the things that you do. Bless this church. Bless this congregation. Lord, I, I felt like in my heart, dear God, that I knew tonight being rainy was going to be a down service and we had an up service on Sunday morning and Sunday night and we've had up services on the last couple of Wednesday nights. But Lord, uh, I do thank you, God, for the people that have come tonight. Bless them for it. And Lord, strengthen them because of it. And Lord, I pray that you'd take this word that's been preached tonight And use it in our lives, dear God, this week. And I'll thank you and praise you for what you do. Bless, God, those that are sick. Help, dear God, those that couldn't be here tonight. Deal with the hearts of those, dear God, that could be but wasn't. And I'll thank you and praise you, dear God, for what you do. In Christ's name, we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming tonight. You're dismissed.